Hello and welcome back to Starting Stalls. Um, this has taken me about 10 openers because I've just had the giggles for the last 10, 10 minutes, but we're, we're there now. Um, Daryl, you seem like you're in good form. You've been setting me off, making me even worse. Um, but we've had some all sorts of great results, England, Ireland and France over the weekend. Um, I do want to start on Frankie, but firstly, how has your week been? You seem like you're in good form. Have you had some luck? Yeah, we've had a bit of luck. We've had a couple of winners this week. It's not been as good as the previous week. Um, but yeah, it's been a good week. Good racing week. Good racing on Saturday. I know a lot of people don't like the Sugar Cup. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I thought it was a smashing, smashing Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of built up frustration as well to get out today. So uh, hopefully we'll touch on that. Yeah, it's been wound up for the most part of the week. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what I know what's coming. Um, anyway, <laughs> before, before we start start on debates I thought we'd um give a bit of a mention to Frankie who won over in front on Inspiral again the what is it again the Jacques de Maurice Jacques de Maurice yeah yeah uh for it won that race eight times which is actually mad um but I think I believe it's his last time riding over in Deauville and uh you know he got a really nice reception from from all the jockeys over there and I, you know, I, he's had this farewell tour that's going on for this whole season over here in Europe. But like, it is pretty amazing when you actually think about, you know, he's won that race eight times. And to go out, he just seems to, every time it's like his last somewhere, just seems mm. to win. It's yeah. mad. Pain in the ass, isn't he? Absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, in spiral. Good performance, particularly given that, um, she she wasn't drawn very well in stall one either, and she she sort of tacked across, started over against the rail, and then finished her race down the center of the track. Like th- th- there was so much pace on in that race that like Frankie's done a, a great job there, just dropping in. He's obviously seen how much pace is in the race early. I was at, I was on um, light infantry. I was actually hoping that Jamie Spencer would give this one a more exaggerated ride, having made the run in the last few times and. Because there was just so much pace in the race, but but Frankie cottoned on very quickly. She picked up lovely. She won with plenty in hand, to be honest with you, to to make it back to back victories in that race. Frankie's now won it for the last four years on the trot as well, twice mm-hmm. with Palace Beer, twice with Inspiral. Great achievement for Frankie. Um, a much much better performance from Inspiral than what she did at Goodwood eleven days ago. Jesus yeah, don't Christ. we think that the um training combination john taylor Gosden deserve a big shout out here as well yeah absolutely it's a brave brave shout to send her over like 11 days later over to france and turned out i mean the the going description was soft it's always a bit dodgy in france to go and you've got to take it with a pinch of salt um but it it looked like it it turned out to be good the soft or or slightly on the quicker side but yeah she she enjoyed that much better than she did at goodwood yeah but like it would have been very difficult to build a case for Inspiral to, on the back of that Goodwood run to go and do that. So, yeah, smashing training performance. Good ride by the jockey. You know, I'd say if you was on her, you wouldn't have had too many worries in, in the run. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like you say, four in a row, which is mad, but eight in total. Um, he's, yeah, he's he's pretty magic. And that was one of those Frankie rides where you really appreciate um, the talent that he has. Um that was over in France. We also had some great racing in Ireland as well. Um, I know you want to touch on the Phoenix um, of, after a, a pretty electric performance from Buccaneer Fuerte. Um, <laughs> Love the way you said, I know you want to touch on yeah, the you Phoenix. Do. That was definitely the one you mentioned. Yeah. When, that- we, when we had our little group chat about which horses we should mention, you 
Butch or something you called him, Butchanero <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, Bacanero. <laughs> we got there eventually, worked out which horse and which race you wanted to talk about. But um, irrelevant connections, group one, it was a demolition job and can't help but be impressed. Yeah, it really was a demolition job as well. Like it, I, I think I think we all sort of knew that Bacanero was was a was a decent horse, but like he, I I felt he overcome stall one. I think that was down to dual man Kev as well, getting him out from stall one and just no nonsense ride really. So this horse is a strong traveller, a strong stayer over the six. You get seven, no 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 trouble at all. Um, it was just a really powerful performance, I thought, from start to finish. And I loved the fact that it was a no-nonsense ride. Obviously, the pacemaker was in there, broke slowly, which didn't help. But you, I think you have to give credit to um, the, uh, Gary Halpin on the on the pacemaker as well, because he, he, he did come up alongside Kev. And then I think he sort of went, right, I don't want to light him up now. Now, mm. I've, now I've missed the chance to give him that toe. Like, I didn't Get out way. think he could keep up with him. But then he moved him to the left and he, and he just took him away from him, just, you know, trying not to light up Buccaneer Fuerte. And I thought that was a good bit of uh, race riding from him, but straightforward demolition job, strong stayer, really nice horse to look forward to. And a second group one for, for Kevin Stott. You must have been absolutely over the moon. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, it was, it, I, obviously had belief in the horse but I didn't think he'd win quite the way he did mm. um you know Kev had belief in him from when he won on the first day of the season which is mad to think because he, he is huge but it's just shown that natural ability the whole way through um so looking forward Kev's looking forward to stepping him up in trip as well where he feels that like he could be better again and you know he said if something came from him he'd have taken off he was having a look at this like the the small crowd probably more at the stands um when he hit the front and was on his own for a while and like Kev kind of said at the furlong pole he was thinking well where are they you know like mm. he can't, couldn't believe that no one even came to challenge and his had his ears pricked so um yeah it was a really good performance where was, you when, did, where was you when you received my voice message after he crossed the line? I was walking out of Royal Alaska. Royal Alaska? Of Alaska. Yeah. Did you, play, you didn't play it in front of everyone, did you? No, you were safe. <laughs> as you were going, woo! Like this, along those lines. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was very good. And looking forward to National Stakes, which mm. is a few weeks time. Troy. Troy, yeah. So that will be, um, that will be, you know a good good battle and it'll be exciting to see who comes out on top there because two like pretty smart horses um hopefully both get there sound and in top form you know it, it, interesting you know unquestionable did the um, anticipate the the start and sort of banged his head on the on the front of the gate um it wasn't obviously hard because the gates never opened but i wonder if that was partly the reason why you would maybe argue he underperformed or whether Buccaneer has stepped forward a huge amount having freshened up and being prepared for this race better. I would say the latter. I'd say, I mean, we, we spoke about Unquestionable a few weeks back on, on this podcast and I said he was one to avoid for me. Um, I, I'm, I don't think he gave his complete true run in there, but I don't think it was far off. I do think that the winner has improved again. Um, you've only got to go back and watch the, the winner at Ascot and, he still finished with running left there. He's still a bit mm. green in the closing stage. So I think he's just taking steps forward. And I think he's yeah. got more progression than, than unquestionable. So I, the, the right winner on the day, one for me, but for sure. Yeah, it's, um, I think he, he's had a nice, he's got a nice profile and he's been taken along 
the right way. You know, they give him plenty of time between debut and Royal Ascot. And although that maybe affected his chances of winning that day, long term, it's probably been for the better. Um, You know, it's great to have a Royal Ascot winner, of course, but it's not the be all and end all. And this horse has got a a nice future. So, yeah, that was a a pretty special one for several reasons, I'd have said. Uh, But actually delighted Kev came home with a group one winner next to his name. So that was great. Um, I was at the Shergar Cup and the ladies managed to take home the winning team trophy, whatever you want to say. Um, Holly was the winner of the Silver Saddle, leading jockey. Um, some would argue, oh, it's so fixed. The ladies always get the best rides, but the rest of the world served it up to them. Um, you know, they got some good points without without um, many winners. Girls, I think, had four winners in the end, so that was a, a, a pretty impressive job. But it's competitive. It is mad, but it's competitive and it's good racing. I don't know what you guys think from a punting side. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, like it's the same with the racing league. Like, competitive races you know I'm, I'm happy to go and have a look at it like i'm not really interested in who wins the silver saddle and all the, the team aspect of it and all that nonsense as long as one's not letting one through on the inside rail when they shouldn't be and stuff like that like as long as they're just all trying to ride at their own races like i couldn't give a toss about the team stuff like i just want to back winners and and i'm just looking for value and there is plenty of value at this sort of meeting you know you, you can get Horses that are completely written off just on a jockey book, it, you know, and, and and different things like that. Like some of the jockeys are coming over; they've never ridden the course before. Mm. Like there was one ride there that we have to call out. Like we have to call out. So this is a good time to mention it. And that was Jamarera on Foxtail. Like how nobody's called this out and just praised the the jockey on Parato. It's just completely beyond me because this horse actually traded at one hundred and one in running, one hundred and one, and. If you look at his body language when he comes to the furlong pole, he is all out. He's pushing away and shoving. We know Foxtail's got a bit of a high head carriage. He's a bit of a naughty boy. But you just got to keep those type of horses up to their work and not not give them a reason to sort of, you know, hold back a little bit. But once he approaches the half furlong pole, Jao Moreira eases down, gives it that old thing I bloody hate with the old, you know, the old... (laughs) It's like they're really just trying to be... I don't know whether you're trying to give an impression of pushing a horse out or if you're about to start twerking or something. <laughs> what, what is going on? But, like, you, you like, hate that whole, like, whole, like, oh, look at me. I'm going to ride really, like, I'm going to look really good in doing this. And he's cut to the half furlong bowl and he's just eased off him. You can, if you watch his arms, you watch his body language, I don't care what anyone says, he eases off him. He thinks he's done enough. And then he feels a couple of rivals coming to it, and then he rides out again at the finish and he's beaten ahead. That is not Foxtail who has lost that race. That is Joe Marrera, and that is an absolute fact. I don't care what It's a real says. shame because I actually think he gave the horse a peach. He did for he 90% of the race. race. Yeah, he dictated the race so well. There was no one wanted to take him on, and I promise you Foxtail was a horror getting to the start. So awkward and fresh and just tricky and then no one wanted to go so he dictated the pace went very slow turned it into a bit of a sprint and ultimately the eventual winner Perota was the only one that managed to really close but yeah I know what you're saying he he gave an absolute beautiful ride he looked like well he he put his pro push down mm-hmm. went to give a hands and heels ride and then obviously as he's felt the pressure come in the 
sort of dying for your stride, he, he has to give up his horse another yeah. flip. So you can't say he didn't push, you know, you can't say he didn't ride out to the line because he did. But there was that sort of middle Moment ground, that- I suppose, where there was maybe 20 strides, whereby he had taken off a bit of pressure yeah. that was there before and after. And again, like... The- yeah, it, like it, like if if a, if it's a difficult one as well because it because it's a, an international jockey. If you had a jockey that knew that horse or knew the horse well, his quirks, everything like that, I'd very be very surprised if they would would have let up for a couple of strides. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, very frustrating. I tipped him twenty to one uh, on the day one hundred one in running. It's an absolute killer when that happens to you. Um, it really is a killer, but. Yeah, it just it does bug me when like the focus becomes then around sort of like the jockey who's picked him up in second rather than sort of. I mean, I'm not saying stand there on TV and absolutely slate a jockey. I'm just saying perhaps it's worth highlighting those sort of things so that people actually feel like if they do feel hard done by like I did. They've actually, you know, someone else is reckon, recognising it. You know? Kevin Blake did say, I don't know whether it was on air or off air, but Kevin Blake um, on ITV de- definitely mentioned something about that. Um, okay, good. We discussed the difference in the horses. I, I was throwing a question about the difference in the horses and I I didn't say, I was asked a different question, so I didn't say, oh, he's eased up. But what I said is the head carriage on the horses is different and it makes it trickier for one jockey than the other, you know. Yeah. But I'm... I'm sure Kevin, if it wasn't on air, he said it off air, but he definitely mentioned how it looked as if he was had arguably just eased up a little for a period of time. Yeah. Um, Which but made yeah, a difference, unfortunately. Yeah. I can understand why it's frustrating. On the other hand, it set up beautifully for the winner, who is also quirky and a bit of a monkey. And the fact that Thor managed to weave his way through and literally produce him on the line was like the ideal scenario for Puroto. Yeah, because he needs a bit of cover. Yeah. Yeah. And and if he'd have pulled out and had, you know, no one to chase, he would have probably had a look around and found a rabbit hole to jump in in order to not win. But because he had that that horse to aim at, it did really suit him. And he took a little while to get going, but once he did, he extended out to to the line nicely. And it is one thing I would say is like it is a great opportunity. I know some of the older jockeys Frankie, Olivia Pellier, etc., Joe Marrero that himself have had opportunity worldwide for amazing connections. But for example, their Thor stood in for someone who wasn't able to, to ride in the end. He's managed to get a class two winner for Roger Varian, which is not a stable he would ride for on a regular. Yeah. So it's created great opportunity for him. And I think it does for, you know, the, the, the majority of the jockeys don't get the opportunity to ride at Ascot. They don't get to ride in five or six very competitive handicaps that are all worth good prize money. So it is a nice opportunity in that respect. Yeah, I, I agree. And perhaps like I'm trying to get, I'm trying to look for somebody that's going to focus on sort of the fact that he traded 101 in running, that the, the, like they're sort of the integral part of it rather than just the, the nice story of, of, of four sort of thing. But look, it, it's a great meeting. And, and I think any punters that sort of, um, sort of turn around and turn their nose up a bit, uh, up at it, I think, I think you're well worth like having a deeper look into some of these races because there is excellent value about and you know just ignore the team aspect of it and focus on what the race is and uh, and have a bet that way. But there's I don't think punters should be turning their nose up at decent class two races. I think there was six of the seven races on the carbon class two races. So 
Yeah, it's good meeting. And they're competitive. They're really, you know, we had lots of strength and depth, and I think that's important as well. You know, they're not just competitive 65s. They're competitive at a higher level, which is, and I look, I like the three-year-old handicaps as well. I think that's um, a nice Mm. angle too. So we had, we had some good, good performances. One actually worth mentioning, I know um, Savvy had a good weekend, Dark Trooper. I mean, what what has Ed Walker done? He's turned him around totally. That fucking horse, Meg, I tell you. Right. Has he been a cliff horse for you? Ah, oh, honestly, right. Going back since Kempton, yeah, going back since Kempton, I, I really fancied him at Kempton. He, he showed a blistering turn of foot at Kempton, one over seven furlongs, looked like a proper smart horse. And then he's let me let me down a few times after that, and I was just like trying to work out what's going on with this horse. And I mentioned on um, Racing Only Better last week, I went through every figure he did. I literally sat down and went through everything he's done, all his sectionals, and looked at everything and just thought, this is a six furlong horse. He went to Windsor, tipped him on the column at 14 to one at Windsor in a class three, I think, or class mm-hmm. four. And uh, he was pulled out as a non-runner. And I was right. Gutted. He went to Yarmouth in the racing league. He was 18 to one. I actually wrote him up, right? And then removed... I wrote him up because sometimes I'll write like five or six horses up and then I'll pick the, the two or three that I feel like my strongest case are for that will go in the column. I scrapped him off. Oh, no. <clears throat> yeah, I scrapped him off because I just thought it was a real competitive race. Anyway, long story short, missed him the last twice. I was what, concerned that I was on him on Saturday. I tipped him on Saturday at 10 to 1. I was concerned because it's one of those things, you know, if you haven't been to the wedding while you're going to the funeral sort of thing. Um, oh. But thankfully, he came through. I've got an eye catcher from that race, if it's okay to give you quickly now. It's, uh, it's the runner-up, Russet Gold. Uh, this is surely a winning, winner and waiting off, uh, off 90 for me. I think he's he's due to go up, or he will be due to reassess today or t- uh, tomorrow. Oh, We're yeah. recording on Monday, yeah. Um, but this is a half-brother or a brother to the Wokeman winner, St. Lawrence. This was a step back up in trip, six furlongs for him. And he's just been edging his way back to form slowly, slowly, slowly. And there's definitely a race in him. He's showed plenty of promise at two. And he finished well clear of the rest, I thought, behind Dark Trooper. But yeah, back to Dark Trooper. What what a decent little treble he's done. He's done the, uh, what was he done? The Racing League, the Sunday Series, and now the, the show. Sure yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Some good pots for the level that he, he'd been running. Yeah, absolutely. He stepped up in grade along the way too. Um but yeah, uh, we had some competitive racing, and I certainly enjoyed enjoyed working there. It was quite a lighthearted, fun day, um, so it, it it was it was good. Um, In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important half-time break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus, be gamblerware.org. You've obviously mentioned your eye-catcher. Have you got any others for us this week, or are you sticking with a one-hit wonder? No, just a one-hit wonder this week, or asset gold. Okay. Did you not like one, maybe not an eye catcher, but a horse you wanted to mention over in Ireland? Yeah, I did, but everyone's seen him, didn't they? This is this. Uh, and, and to be honest, Meg, I can't really pronounce his name. Diego Valaquez. Yeah. Diego yeah. Valaquez. Yeah. 2.8 million guineas. Yeah. Two, yeah. I mean, a fortune. Frank will call. Really flashy, big white face, big white socks. Mm. Yeah. Nice horse, strong galloper, clueless, absolutely clueless, I thought he was on debut. But Ryan just 
just dug just dug in and he just really galloped on. I think that's going to turn out to be a nice race. So I think he's worth that race in particular. I think it's probably worth keeping an eye on. There's some nice horses in there. Are we looking at him as a horse that's going to need a trip? I have no idea. I have no idea what we're looking at with him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because at the Curra, you do want to be on the pace, really, and it's hard to find out too much about a horse when they are ridden in an averagely run race, well-positioned from the front, but he's just hit the line so hard. Mm. I, I would say, yeah, it, it'd be going up in distance, sort of 10 furlong horse, really. But, okay. um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how his career develops because they're going to treat him like a good horse, so. We could be we could be looking at a, a Dante Derby rather than a Guineas Derby. Yes, I would I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. No. By Frankel, he a bit of a monster. I think he still had leg in every corner and was just like you say, um, sort of learning as as he went along. And uh, he's he's still like for a gangly is the wrong word, but he just still looked like he was organising himself and yeah. just a bit all over the place. Um, I guess it's probably one of those you can only do so much at home before you then run them and they have to learn learn for themselves mm. a bit. But he's he's very flashy. We won't miss him, that's for sure. Uh, a couple of my eye catchers. I've gone two-year-olds again. Kind of as Love the two-year-old, you do. Love the two-year-olds. Um, okay, so I was at Sandown on Thursday and we saw an uh, impressive winner for Gift. The, this isn't my eye catcher, but I'm going to look again because... It was still a nice horse. Defiance went for mm. Roger Barron and High Clear. Um, but my eye catcher from that race was Dear a Mile, 25 to 1 shot. He's um, Ahmed Al Sheikh. Charlie Johnson trains him. He's by Camelot. And we know Ahmed Al Sheikh is crazy about the Derby. So he tries to find these horses that don't cost absolute fortunes. That have a staying pedigree that he hopes can be good enough to take him, you know, to those better races. And dear mile, could he be that good? We don't know yet, but my word, he was an eye catcher. He was green throughout. He couldn't get any cover. He was sort of, he looked like almost a bit nervous and shying away from the other horses. Once he was asked for an effort, he picked up, then he shot left, shot right. He was just all over the, all over the place and just a real baby. And I just think that he'll have learned an awful lot from that. And if he can really like start to learn to drop his head and gallop and progress, then he's a winner in the making. Because I think that was a race that was above average. Defiance was impressive on debut. Caviar Heights is a horse I love from the Andrew Balding uh, team, who's a three-year-old all over. And I just think Dear Mile could be above average on what he, he showed um, at Sundown last week. So I don't know if you saw the race. but Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would, I would agree with your assessment there of that of Diramar. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we see him in France as well before the end of the year. They tend to like to go over there with their two-year-olds. Before. Maybe if, the, if they can profile to Dubai Mile. I don't know yeah. whether he's going to be that good, but it wouldn't be a surprise if he managed to win next time if he follows. Oh, yeah. I'd say he's, a, he's an next-time out winner for sure. Yeah, he looked, he looked that way. Um, another eye-catcher, this was from Friday, uh, Blue Collar. Um, Richard didn't Hearn. like this one. You didn't like this one. No, nah, I didn't like this one. I don't well, know. Have, have you say though? Seven furlongs next time in a handicap. Interesting to see what Mark gets. Um, I just thought he hit rising ground, finished strongly, and just looked as if he's taken a little bit of time for the penny to drop. Um, uh, yeah, I just think in a handicap, 
providing he's not given a ridiculous mark, which he shouldn't be. I'd say maybe mid to late 70s, early 80s. Well, I'd say um, low, low 70s, I'd say. Low 70s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we'll see tomorrow, we'll see tomorrow. Um, but yeah, £2.50 each way in a handicap, seven furlongs off a mark of 73. So Daryl's going to say... Go collect. Anyone who is listening is going to thank me later. Can tell you that much. <laughs> but Daryl doesn't like this one. Nah. McDuff was the other one. I like that one. Yeah, McDuff was the other one who was also on Friday, who was a winner. Mm. Um, it was Good race. Second division. Yeah. Uh, he was the first division, second division, one of the divisions anyway. This was seven furlongs, and he looked definitely beaten um, as they sort of going through the dip and the race started to develop and then once he again hit the rising ground took off out of nowhere he was well fancied beforehand a judgment horse uh, uh, trained by Rafe Beckett well fancied in the market beforehand they can often set forward from a debut run so clearly he's a horse that they think plenty of yeah much slower was first division much slower it was than the, than the second division but I felt that would probably be against McDuff anyway. He was ridden sort of midfield. Uh, the race did favour those ridden prominently. But yeah, once he sort of, I thought he was outpaced slightly, but perhaps that was just greenness. But once he, he picked up, he really did hit the line hard. I thought it was a good race. There was a lot of depth in terms of like on paper, if you like. Agree, there was, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a nice horse in there. For, um, do you remember the horse beat the bank? Yes. Yeah, Beat the Bank's um, uh, brother was in there, half-brother was in there. There's a, there's a couple of well-bred horses in there. Um, I think that would be a nice race to follow, actually. So I would. that's one of the type of races where I'd sort of ignore the time a little bit because mm. it, because of the way the race was run. I don't. It wouldn't be wise to go and say, oh, he ran a slow time on debut, therefore, it, it, you know what I mean? It was more like the performance itself that made him Agree, like yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, and the second division, don't get me wrong, Clive Cox had a, a winner that won by half the track, was also impressive. But I just felt that, like you say, although different times, differently type, differently run races, and and kind of looking at it from a different angle. So, um, but they would be my three. Did we have any winners from our last bunch or any new success? Uh, you had Phantom Flight. You, I told you at the time, was a poor choice. Uh, he lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dawn of Liberation ran again at the weekend. Jesus Christ, I don't know what. I don't know what. Like down in grade as well for the first time in years. Jesus, like I don't know what he, what's going on with that horse. It, and and Shabazz lost for me as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I've not got a good profile with these eye catches <laughs> at the moment. I must admit. I must admit. But um, but yeah, there's still some nice ones that have yet to run from both of us. So um, yeah, I think we're all right. We're well, we'll hoping for a, a turn of that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. um, this weekend is one of those, it's, it's a weird weekend. We've got obviously good racing in Deauville with a pre-morning um, on Sunday, but it's kind of one of those, the week before a festival where it's mm. just racing here, there and everywhere. Um, Hungford weekend at Newbury, that's kind of our highlight um, over here. Yeah. I don't know if you have any strong fancies on that card or anywhere in particular. Uh, not really. I am interested in Sacred if she goes to the Hungerford, though. I, I do like yeah. that horse. I tend to be on the wrong side of her a lot of times. I'm actually going to Newbury on Saturday. I'm going to go and have a few drinks with a few friends that very rarely ever get to the race school. So I will have to do a lot of work. So I'm assuming they're going to expect me to 
Pressure is on. Yeah, to give out a winner. You never you know what it's like when you're in racing and you try and go out to enjoy a day out. You can never really enjoy a day out because you're no. expected to know more than everybody else. But but yeah, so good racing. Should we just touch on Brighton last week quickly? Oh yes, you wanted to mention something on Brighton. Um I there, I must say I was doing quite a lot of laughing when Kevin Wright there for the first time this season. And Hayley Moore caught him, did an interview, was like, she said something along the lines of, would you like it here at Brighton? He goes, well, yeah, the view's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were covered in sea mist, weren't they? Sea mist, they called it. He he actually was there the day where it was nice weather. Oh, was he? So he actually saying he likes the view, but that's all the only thing he said that I was like, you might be like, yeah, yeah, quirky track, you know. Oh, yeah, I like the view. I was like, oh, no. He was really loving being at Brighton. I think the agent got a slap on the back of the wrist that day. But, um, yeah, no, Brighton, I can't admit, I would be lying if I say I watched all three days of their festival. But you obviously watched more than I did. Wow. I, 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 I mean, there wasn't much to watch on the third day, was there? That's when the ski was there. They absolutely disgraced themselves, Meg. Brighton Race Bulls have absolutely disgraced themselves. Worse than me at a wedding reception, I'm telling you. It was awful. <laughs> Their first race went off at 2.30, right? Right. The stalls handlers were stuck in traffic, so there were no stalls for the first race, which was a five-and-a-half furlong sprint. <laughs> right. Now, just for context, I put three pictures on my Twitter this morning to show you the lineup because they did a flip start. The lineup. The for anyone drop. that hasn't seen this, well, yeah. I'm going to find you right now and I'm going to show it on screen. <laughs> I lineup. did think about playing out the voice note, but I was kind to you there, so I'm going to find you. Okay, so the lineup. Yeah, the flag, the flag drop, and then like a second after they've gone off, right? They are not even lined the up. Like, like it, the sea mist is obviously there, but they're not even lined up. Draw order. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not even in line. You had um, Boom the Groom rearing. Another horse out the back. It was an absolute shambles. Right, absolute shambles. How they allowed that race to go off. With What's no this food. one doing at the back? Yeah, exactly. That one's miles back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, right, they, they, like, they, they've disgraced themselves in a couple of ways. First off, this they start with the abandonment of the meeting, right? So the first race went off at 2.30. They actually didn't run another race. They abandoned it at 4.45. So they let people sit around for two hours and 15 minutes trying to, I don't know, taking their drink money or whatever they've done. But no communication. I had people say that they didn't even know it was going to be abandoned until five minutes before it was abandoned, two and a half hours or two hours, 15 minutes after the first race. So that's their first mistake. Waiting for the sea mist to rise. The sea mist, yeah. But the the, the weather is basically unavoidable. Like, you know, you you can't blame them for the sea mist. But... What is unforgivable is starting a five and a half furlong race without any stalls. Like how, like that's, like, is there a week that goes past where racing doesn't disgrace itself in some form? Like, it's it's outrageous. And the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing for me is that none of the punters, I spoke to two punters who went to Brighton on this day, none of the punters on course, obviously they couldn't see up to the top of the track because of the sea mist, but none of the punters were informed about no stalls until just before the off. Right. That's absolutely disgraceful. It's not ideal. They do do it sometimes when there's like such bad weather, there's thunder and lightning. When there's lightning quite close, they don't use the stalls. 
but that's like pretty rare. Yeah, and and to to be honest, if you haven't got st- like the draw is so important, right? The draw is and at Brighton, the low draw runners are yeah. close to the bend, but like, it's it's so important, and well, you can't just throw out the stalls. You like don't run the race. Like that's the that's the common sense answer, isn't it? Just we haven't got the stalls. Let's not run the race. The funny thing was is that the chief steward came out after that race and said we're going to delay the next race for thirty minutes to see if the stalls handlers can arrive in time. Delay it from the start. Delay the meeting from the start. Don't run a fast call race. Like, like did you back one in that race? No, I didn't. That? No, I didn't. Nah. But like, if I did, I'd been fuming not knowing that there was a removal of the stalls two minutes before they were about to run. I tell you what the, the nightmare thing is, and this always makes me laugh, is what happens is we, you go down there and they're like, try and get in stall order. Yeah, yeah, on my sprinter. Yeah, no problem. So you try and get into your order-ish, and then kind of 90% of the jockeys don't listen to the starter, which is what happens in jump racing. You just, like, try and get the best position. Yeah. And then there's 10% who do listen to the starter. So when they're like, take a turn or, like, you know, come back, you need to go back. 10% turn and then the 90% at the front who have a great posse ready to make a quick start the starter goes oh yeah you're fine now drops it so the 10% that have actually listened they're out the back and yeah. absolutely lose it so it happens quite regularly in jump racing what I came to the conclusion of is having ridden in some bumpers don't listen to what the starter says no disrespect but when they tell you to take a turn basically don't take a turn which is why they end up all piled up on top of the Tape. Now, if everyone listened to the starter, which is probably what's meant to happen, it'd be fine. But they kind of like let a few people listen to them and then they're just like, oh, I can't be bothered trying to argue with the rest of them. Mm. So then they're just like, you guys go. And the 10% who are stuck at the back who actually listen to me are going to end up no sign. There's a massive difference between running over two miles over hurdles, though, and running five and a half furlongs downhill at Brighton, isn't there? Yeah, I get that. I get that. But like, same principle as in at the start. Yeah. Like, but like yeah. for me, like the chief steward come, comes out and he says, it wasn't ideal. Obviously, we didn't we didn't want to run the race like that. Well, don't run it then. Like, don't run it. Don't come out after the fact and say it. Come out before. Give everyone 30 minutes notice that this is what's going to happen. You know, the situation is called for us to do a flip start. Come out 30 minutes before. Let everyone have the opportunity to know before they place their bets. And then run the race. But, I mean, if it's down to me, you don't run it at all. I guess what's hard, though, is, like, obviously the connections were happy to run their horse under that scenario. Yeah, but, like, again, though, no one's thinking about the punters. Like, so, so matey's gone up there and he's placed 30 quid on a horse at five to one, thinking, oh, I like low-drawn runners. I like horses drawn on the inside. Low. Lo and behold, he doesn't know until the race is about to go off. That well, that should go, I go over the tannoy around the course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, and it did, knows. but it didn't. Like, but, but people are obviously happy to run the horse in that situation. Yeah, but so, you know, if they're happy to run the horse in that situation, then it's simple. You just make an announcement. Like you would let, if there was a non-runner, you know, over the tannoy, that number five has just been withdrawn in the three. Exactly. Give people as much note. If you're going to do it, which I don't agree with, but if you're going to do it, give people as much notice as you possibly can. Yeah. Like punters are not as much information. It's just simple communication. And it's this is one of the easiest fucking things to fix in racing. And they're making it a, a big issue. Like, Jesus Christ. But, Daryl, what happens is, is, like, common sense isn't used that much. Like, let's no. think, like, all saunas, no common yeah. sense. Whip debate, not much common sense. Actually, probably none. Then you're obviously saying about this. There's there is a lack of common sense in several. Yeah, the blind leading the blind. 
never mind. I mean, just waiting for our day to take over, aren't we, really? That's it. Joking. I absolutely, I couldn't think of anything worse, but yeah. <laughs> oh. Happy doing our podcast and just like, you know, highlighting everyone else's mistakes rather yeah, than that's our it. own. Yeah. Although we can hold our hands up and say that some of our eye catches have not done so well. But um, <laughs> hey-ho, we've got some good eye catches this week, or I'm confident with mine, even though you aren't confident with them. So Definitely. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, anyway, I just want one... You said this weekend, sacred, if mm. she runs. Anywhere else this week, it could be, you know, Thursday, Racing League, Windsor. It could be something you always or normally have a horse that you're really keen on that has an entry. I haven't got anything for you. I've got to be honest with mm. you. And you should have prepared me better for this. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do this every week. <laughs> okay. Well, I haven't got anything yet. Um, day by day this week. Right, okay. Well, check out the betting.betfair column. It'll there be on you there. go. I was just about to say everyone's going to have to go online and check out the column instead. <laughs> well, hopefully, you're more prepared for that. Hopefully, it's actually written up and you've got some tips. I mean, doing a, we're doing a podcast here about horse racing. Hasn't even got a horse to choose or to talk about this week. Yeah. Lovely to talk to you as always, Meg. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, forgot about that one, actually, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, if you return the question, I probably wouldn't be much better. But anyway. Um, <laughs> that is uh, about it for this week's carnage um i'm actually working racing tv on saturday at newbury so if you are with your friends having a great day i'm sure i'll hear you if you're having a really bad day i probably won't see you in sight at all so um yeah maybe maybe won't see you but um fingers crossed you have a good week and some luck racing league is back on wednesday that's always a good one for Thursday, sorry, for some competitive handicaps, as we mentioned earlier. You normally have some selections there, so I'm sure on the blog we'll have some um, have some tips. Betting.betfair. And everyone who is having a look, then please remember to gamble responsibly. Fingers crossed for lots of winners. And we'll be back next week for more action. <laughs> <laughs>